coming up on this episode of the Happy Pair Podcast. Health is so simple in so many ways. I think we can make it so complicated. And there's so many like weird and wacky and cool things to discover. But then like at the base of it is simplicity. And that's just like eating more broccoli, taking five minutes to do some breathing exercises. And I think that's what I've been focusing on over the last few weeks. And I can't tell you the difference it's made. Welcome to the Happy Prayer Podcast. We're Dave and Steve, and we are so happy to have you back listening to the show again. Thanks so much for subscribing, for sharing, for engaging with this podcast. We're blown away with um, how many people are listening, so thank you. This week's episode is with the wonderful Ella Mills of Deliciously Ella. She's someone who's had quite a similar journey to us in terms of founding a business about plant-based living, healthy lifestyle, mindfulness, and we went on a really, really positive, interesting conversation. Yeah, Ella's been a friend for years and someone we've really admired. Ella has two young children, so we can really relate to it as parents. So uh, I hope you enjoy the journey. Big shout out to Ella. Check her on social media. Massive shout out to Super Value, who sponsored this podcast. They're amazing. They're wonderful. They do supply our products and Ella's products. Sit back and enjoy the show. Well, deliciously, Ella. What a privilege. This is great. Thank oh, you. thank you. Lovely to see you guys. Oh, yeah, likewise. Okay, I want to go straight in there. Okay, so first question. Are you reading a book at the moment? And if so, what are you reading? I am, actually. I'm so pleased to say that I am because I haven't been for so long. And I don't know about you guys, but I found in lockdown, after the kids go to bed in the evening, sometimes you're just so tired and you just sit and scroll Instagram for so long. And it feels like it's like an hour of your like precious, precious time. It feels a bit wasted. So I've just started reading and I'm reading at the moment Matt Haig's Midnight Library. Beautiful. Oh, I started that with the kids. Loving it. And about halfway through... Um, it's a slow progress. It's like a chapter a night, but it's it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Oh, lovely! I started that with my my daughter on Christmas Day, but uh, we we I think we've read a chapter where we're even slower than you. So, uh, well, one thing I'd love to ask you about is you've started a wonderful business and it's thriving and it's doing great. And it was Patrick just said earlier that um, you're one of four children and if your mother was to pick anyone that was to start a business she may not necessarily have picked you and I'm just wondering about you know how how you've gone through that process yeah I think it's even generous to say she may not have picked me she <laughs> she's the first person she'd openly say under no circumstance would she ever 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 have picked me I would have been fourth by quite some distance um I think it's so interesting and I'm sure it's been really similar for for both of you which is that that in what we've got today and what we've ended up creating was never the intention on day one. Um, and I, I guess that that comes from starting something which you're so passionate about and gives you such a sense of purpose. The original purpose of Delicious Yellow, it was a website and it was just recipe content and it was really myself teaching myself to cook. And then it's really been such a kind of snowball of then responding to a community of people. And to start with, that community was tiny. You know, it was a couple of thousand people and now it's over three million people across our social media channel. So it has, again, grown kind of exponentially. But to start with, they were on a very similar journey to me, which is that 10 years ago, this kind of plant-based, very natural cooking was really quite unusual. There weren't all the amazing resources there are today and it wasn't so commonplace. You couldn't, you know, walk into somewhere on the high street and get a plant-based option. Um, and so other people wanted to learn. So initially people wanted cooking classes then they wanted supper, uh, supper clubs and workshops and kind of meeting like-minded people. And from that, it was about making the recipes easier to get. So that was an app and... Then my husband, my, my now husband and I met and we decided we could do a lot more with this if we worked together. I love 
the creative of what we do. I'm so passionate about all the reasons behind it and the food and the whole kind of concept of wellness from mindfulness and yoga practice and moving your body as well as eating. And he is infinitely more kind of practical and spreadsheet orientated than I am. Um, He is brilliant with numbers. I am not. And we realized that together we could just do so much more. So we started working together in 2015. Um, Yeah, end of 2015. We met, we moved in after a week. After three months, we were engaged, had a dog and started a business together. Um, So it has been a kind of whirlwind and a whirlwind ever since. But it's been... I think since we started working together, that's that's when we've been able to grow Delicious Yellow as a company so much more because we have those kind of two really complementary skill sets. Oh, that's very good because like there's me and Dave and like started out the happy pair together. And that's one of our greatest strengths is that synergistic effect. But also because we have the same strengths, we have the exact same weaknesses and we're like an echo chamber and we have the exact same blind spots. So I, I think it sounds that there's a nice balance of skill sets between you both. It, it sounds like a very busy five years, you know, since meeting Matt in that, uh, you know, you've now got two kids you've you've started the business it's grown exponentially as you said in so many different ways and you've got a husband and you've got a dog and you've got all these various things how, how has it been i think that's the question which we were talking about like obviously you work together you live together you've got kids together you've got a dog together there's a lot of things there's a lot of circles there that intertwine one another so how do you manage that relationship yeah i think with lockdown we were pretty lucky to be honest because we've done everything together basically since the day we met we're so used to being in each other's pockets and and always basically kind of existing around each other that is not that different for us. But yeah, I mean, the last so we met six years ago, basically, exactly. Um, as of right now, we've been married for almost five. And in the last six years, the amount of things that have happened, we were talking about it, we met, and my parents got divorced that year. And it was a very difficult divorce and a kind of real unraveling of our family. And then we really kind of got the business up off the ground. And obviously, as you guys know, getting a business off the ground comes with so many challenges. It's kind of a bit of a joke. And all the kind of initial cash flow problems and thinking like, are we going to go bust tomorrow? Then just as we stabilised the business, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer. She really sadly passed away within that year. And then a couple of months after that, we got pregnant. We had our first baby. Then a couple of months after that, we got pregnant again, had our second baby. And obviously then there's been a pandemic. So it's been a kind of real sort of baptism of fire. We we went on a walk this weekend and the girls were asleep. And we were saying, like, if we are still happy at this point, like, life can't beat us. You know, if if our marriage can sustain all of that within a six-year period, then we are golden um but it's I think it is that complementary skill set and kind of uh, we're just such different people in so in some ways and then in other ways our values are exactly the same and I think that's what makes it work I have massive respect for you guys because I can't imagine what it's like working with someone who has the same kind of interests and passion and skill set that you do and the kind of constant overlapping I know when we really overlap in work it's a bit more fiery than it is otherwise yeah, 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 I can. and that's that I guess that's the, the the greatest thing of us working together is it's such a laugh we've so much fun we're always there you know bouncing ideas off each other but the same it's an echo chamber we tend to see things the exact same so I, I guess we've had to try to cultivate that within the business a lot more diversity and one question I have is like naturally me and Dave would be quite ambitious and I imagine you'd be ambitious how do you balance the sense of having ambition striving to be 
to, to, to achieve something, but also staying present with the process? Such a great question. And uh, I think it's, I don't think I have a good answer to it. I wish I did. I think that's, it's a work in progress, isn't it? I think definitely what we've realised is that, and I'm sure I said it's probably the same for you guys, that you're just, you've got to learn to kind of, which is probably not innate for me, is you've got to learn to ride the kind of waves of it, I think, better, which is that you'll have some periods that are just so intensely busy. It's extraordinary. And it's a full 24-7, you know, 365 day a week moment. And then you have other periods where it kind of mellows a little bit and just finding ways to ride that and use the more mellow times for the more kind of creative thinking. Um, But I think since having the girls, and especially since having May, my second, I think I've become more conscious of the fact that the busier you are, the more you you actually need all the tools that we talk about and that you guys talk about, you know, in terms of what actually makes up you feeling good, you know, trying to prioritise sleep and trying to get some mindfulness, trying to get some exercise. And all these things sound impossible when you've got two tiny children and you're running a business. And in some ways they do feel impossible, but then once you get in the swing of it and you realise just 10 minutes of stretching makes a world of difference and can you just get up 10 minutes before the girls um, or when they go to bed, can you actually make a proper dinner and sit down and eat it and not be on your phone? And it's been really interesting to learn, like just taking advantage of those tiny pockets of time and the amount of energy and resources that gives you to kind of drive yourself forward. And when you kind of get overwhelmed by the busyness of it all, it becomes it becomes too much. A question I just to bring it back up because I'm sure people listening might know, everyone listening might know your full story. And I know back in 2011, you like the whole birth of Deliciously Ella came out of your kind of diagnosis with a disease and that kind of catapults you into food and kind of embarking on a food as medicine. Could you give a quick little kind of like story on that? And then I've got a question which I really want to ask you after that. Okay, yeah. So I'll try and keep it quick then. So yeah, I had literally no interest whatsoever in healthy food. Totally, honestly, really actually kind of semi-hated it. Um, thought vegetables were terrible, hated broccoli, um, wouldn't eat anything healthy, basically. Um, just ate a lot of cereal and um, pasta and things like that. Oh, I love cereal. I love cereal. I love pasta. But I wasn't eating like now I would make pasta with fresh tomatoes and onion and garlic and broccoli and spinach. And before it was none of that. Just pasta. Yeah. And it was more Cocoa Pops for the cereal. <laughs> And um, and uh, now we make our own delicious other cereal like you guys do to try and healthy um, make cereal healthier. But um, yeah, so I anyway, out of absolutely nowhere, when I was at university, I was in my second year of university and I got really, really ill. Literally just one day woke up and I looked, I've got pictures of when I was seven months pregnant with the girls and I look more pregnant in these photos from back in 2011 than I did when I was seven months pregnant with my daughters. And I just had this like chronic stomach issue and that's what kind of catapulted me to start looking into it. And then within about a month, I had really severe chronic fatigue kind of bordering on ME, couldn't literally couldn't get up, was sleeping like 16, 17 hours a day, thinking to walk to the end of the street was something I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do. I was so, so, so dizzy. I couldn't control my blood pressure properly. I was having really bad heart palpitations. Um, And anyway, I spent the next four months in that hospital trying to get to the bottom of what was going on. 
and I was eventually diagnosed with something called postural tachycardia syndrome um, and amongst a few other things, mast cell activation disorder, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. But the, um, the POTS, the postural tachycardia syndrome, is basically a malfunctioning of your autonomic nervous system. So all those processes that should go on automatically without, you know, very smoothly weren't. So I, my heart rate, for example, when I was sitting would be totally normal. My heart rate is kind of mid 60s. And then I would stand up and within seconds, it'd be about 180, 190. Wow. With that, the blood pressure lowers, which is why you get such bad dizziness. And then it was just affecting everything. So um, my blood would all pool in my legs. And so um, my legs obviously feel so heavy, but then also it doesn't help the dizziness. And so on and so forth. They spend about um, two and a half years consistently on antibiotics for infections that um, in my kidneys and bladder that were side effects of that. Um, I had to do antibiotic drips in hospital. Um, it was a really difficult time. And basically after a year, what I realised was all the drugs that they were using at that point for this illness were repurposed from other things and some were very successful for some people and some weren't. And it's a kind of bit of a hit or miss lottery. And they just weren't really working for me. Um, and so what we realised was, well, what I realised was that, you know, my current trajectory was not what I wanted to be on. You know, I, I couldn't do anything. I was completely kind of stuck at home. And obviously my mental health massively suffered as a result. And I just hit a real rock bottom the following year and realised that there, there surely had to be something else that I could do rather than continuing to kind of outsource the problem. Um so I started researching and I started learning and I started learning as much as I could about plant-based food, um, but, you know, just about looking after my body, basically. And I decided that I was going to try this. I was going to try and overhaul my lifestyle and the way I was living and the way I was eating um, in a bid to see if that would work. Um, but obviously, caveat was that, as I said, I didn't really like healthy food and I didn't really know how to cook either. Um, you know, and you had to boil pasta and make scrambled eggs, but it wasn't much more than that. And so, but what I realised, I've always really enjoyed food and I've always, you know, I feel very strongly that the only way to do something in the long term is to do something that you actually enjoy. It has to taste good. If it doesn't taste good, it's not going to last. And so I started looking um, at how I could cook all these, you know, to eat more aubergine and broccoli and lentils and tomatoes and all these sorts of things in a way that made me actually really excited for the meal, made me actually really, really want to eat them and eat them in abundance. And that's why I started Deliciousiella as a project for my mental health um, to give me something to do each day to feel a bit of a sense of kind of productivity and purpose and learning to photograph the food and write it up on a website but the intention was never really for anybody else to read the site. It was just my way of documenting what I was doing. But as I said, I think earlier, you know, 10 years ago, the, what, what we all do was really, you know, wasn't part of the mainstream. It was very niche. It wasn't very widely available. And so clearly there were other people looking for the recipes just like I was. And the reason I started it was I couldn't find what I wanted elsewhere and so um it grew and it grew really f quickly the site had 130 million hits in the first couple of years and wow. um yeah and, and it all it all went from there but as I said it started from this yeah very personal passion without the intention of kind of snowballing into a business such a good story really is it's brilliant and uh even though I've heard that a number of times, like it's just really is very moving. It really is. Um, and, and one question which I think is so related to that is like back when you first were diagnosed with your disease and first on your journey of eating healthy food, like obviously food was your main paradigm. It was your main medicine 
you know, to, to, to start on this journey of healing yourself. And now, roll on 10 years later, what is your definition of health now? Because back then it would have been probably quite, like, would have been loads very of much kale, focused of broccoli. on food and the micronutrients and the macronutrients. And it was prob- possibly, now, lots of assumptions there, like the food was the main thing. And now I'm wondering, could you discuss on what health is for you now? Totally not an assumption. You're completely right. Um, I definitely found that that my focus was really so f- much about the food to start with. And I think I've realised, I guess also the, the busier I've become, the more I've realised food isn't the sole answer. And I think it is, you know, I think when you look at health, you have to look at it from a 360 approach. Like it is a much more holistic thing than I think we sometimes want it to be. I think we definitely live in a culture where quick fixes are pretty appealing and I think people look quite often for that and they look maybe to food or exercise of you know what should I eat or what should I not eat or how far should I run in order to solve what I want to solve but actually is I think it is it's so much more than that it's our relationships both with ourselves and those around us it's our work how fulfilled we feel do we feel a sense of purpose it's our sleep it's how we manage our stress levels as well as the kind of more obvious things like moving our bodies and how we eat um but I think it's less kind of I guess black and white or binary than I probably initially saw it and I think as as lots of us do still see it yeah totally can relate to that yeah, we were. Uh, there were times in my life when I was just so neurotic about the perfect diet. If I eat the perfect diet, I'm going to become an enlightened human. Dave used to jokingly say, you know, he thought if he ate, you know, a kilo or a ton of kale, he'd actually become, you know, a, a more spiritual evolved human. At one period, it, it didn't prove out to be true. No, no, um, uh, I, I have a question just around, um, like, would you see yourself? I know, obviously, no one is exclusively an introvert or an extrovert. What way do you see yourself more? Because, you know, to me, and again, this is my assumption, you you don't strike me as someone that's really extroverted. And yet you're so, even chatting to you now, you're so articulate, you're so composed and I really admire it. Like, how do you manage to balance that? It's completely correct. I'd say I was like 99.9% introvert. Um, wow. And which is makes, I think it makes the career that I have quite ironic. Um because obviously so much of it is is public facing and it is speaking to people. I guess it's the difference of speaking with people and doing events and, and kind of bigger things with with more people which are so focused on a passion. And I think that's what fuels it for me is really connecting with people who care so much about what I care about and who's so interested in the same sorts of topics. I, on I guess on a more kind of personal note in terms of socialising and things like that, I feel more drained by big groups of people than anything else I mean I've got my close friends and they are everything in the world to me but it's really a small number of people and that's what I love and um yeah I definitely that has been one benefit of lockdown I have really enjoyed not ever having to have an excuse to not go to something or do something because really like Matt my husband who's the CEO of Delicious Yellow we're we're kind of identical in that we love our work and we love spending a lot of time on our work and really investing in it and that's the busyness and then the rest of the time like there's nothing we like more than just being at home and being with the girls 
Yeah, and then then how do you, how do you balance like say you're to do a, a public event and you know it's natural you know no amount of talks that I do I still naturally get nervous before them I naturally feel a little anxious how do you deal with that and I'm more an extrovert you know I love oh look at me look at me I'm I'm very happy with in that place and I'm quite drawn to that how do you you know deal with that as, as someone that you're more introverted and you like you're you know that type of way. Yeah, it is interesting. It's funny, Matt always says to me, like, he's like, I've never seen a, a kind of, well, I'll judge a breakdown like you do every time you have to go on a book tour. And I just, I freak out. I'm before, of course, I'm happy to do it, whatever you need. And then you get around to it and I'm just like, I don't want to go away from home. And I totally transparently last year, I was absolutely over the moon that the book tour was cancelled because it was meant to be in May. And then obviously there was full pandemic last May and it couldn't happen. And I was felt really awful letting people down. But on a personal note, like I was going to spend best part of a month away from home and Sky was only nine months at that point. And I like the idea of that was horrible, but they didn't want to drag her around the country. Um, didn't think she particularly enjoy that. And so I was um, secretly so thrilled. But yeah, it's really interesting. I ne- I, I really enjoy, as I said, the, the ability to talk about something I care about so much. And that's a real privilege and an honour and not, not something everyone gets to, to do in their career. But I think, I think I've, I just, I guess, been learned to be more kind of honest with myself and better, much better at saying no now to things that are probably a bit too much. Yeah, very. Uh, and then in terms of like, I often really admire your your sense of being able to articulate your vulnerability on social media. It's something that makes you so relatable. It's something now in recent culture has become a lot, but something we've been working on is to, you know, like often, I guess, social media has gone from, you know, where it's more Instagram was the perfect life, whereas now it's kind of almost people are, are working on trying to show more reality and vulnerability. And it's often something that I really admire. Can you talk a bit about vulnerability in the sense of vulnerability being, you know, exposing more the real of the human and making ourselves more relatable in this culture that's trying to show everyone is living their perfect life? Yeah, it's such an interesting medium, social media, isn't it? I mean, I really enjoy it. And I think it's amazing because you are able to really connect with like-minded people, whatever your passions are. I mean, I got obsessed with it. I know you guys are the masters of sourdough. And I got really obsessed with it in the first lockdown last year. And like, it was amazing. You go on Instagram, you can just watch video after video and get recipes and tips. And like, when you get into something, it's so cool to have that kind of platform available. But I think it's so easy to slip into that kind of scrolling hole and forget what you're really looking at. And you said, I think there has been this kind of much more of a real life, but I still think it's it's still only just such a small snapshot into real into anyone's real life. And I still think in lots of ways we don't actually see, see real life because I think we are seeing an increase in vulnerability and that's great, but it's much more the big things, you know. So it's much more the big things that we talk about. It's not like we don't actually see anyone's day-to-day of, you know, whatever it is, like changing seven nappies in a row and like poo explosions and the kind of just day-to-day bit reality of, well, our life basically. It's just not the kind of thing, you know, people talk about on social media because it's it's not particularly interesting and it's it's not particularly engaging. It's just the, the minute by minute. So I still think even, I think it's really important that in the midst of seeing more vulnerability and the bigger conversations that happen now on social media, which is brilliant, but about things like mental health, I still think it's important to remember that we're, I feel like we're still just seeing two sides of the coin, but we're not seeing necessarily like 
the 90% that makes up the mundane of everyone's day to day. We're seeing the highlights and the lowlights, but not not the rest of it. And I don't think we should see the rest of it. It's really boring. Like, I don't want to go on social media and see someone complaining because their train's late and that's messed up their day. You know, it's just, it's not what it's for. But I think it's just important for us to remember that. But I think, yeah, from my perspective, I think being vulnerable is, you know, is important. No, no one's life is perfect. And I think, you know, as I said earlier, I think lots of people would look at our kind of career over the last five years and and what we've done at Delicious Yellow. We've obviously had two gorgeous children in that time and you know there's there's nothing more fortunate than that we've had most amazing incredible good fortune but during those five years we've also you know had a really really difficult time on both with both our families you know really really difficult divorce on on my side a complete unraveling and you know learning a lot of very difficult truths and trying to come to terms and and find a new way to build relationships um through that which has you know it's been a really painful and difficult process at times and you know and, and my um and Matt losing his mother and obviously all the difficulty that comes with that and the grieving and then you know as I said like constantly thinking you might go bust in the first three year first few years of business and then a pandemic and navigating a business through a pandemic isn't easy and so I think it's just that yeah, that no, no life is perfect. And I think it's really easy to see that it is. But I think it's also important to remember on social media, there's people probably have loads of stuff going on that they're not talking about there because it's not their, it's not their business. You know, it's not, it's not my business to go on and like talk about what's happening through my parents' divorce and why it's difficult because you know this is happening and that's happening. That's not, that's not my place to have that conversation. That's my parents and that's their privacy and that's really important. And I think it's. It's just important, I think, sometimes that we remember that, that it's not necessarily a lack of honesty. It's just a lack of respect necessarily for other people. You know, someone's going through a breakup. It's not necessarily the right place for them to go in and talk about their breakup because there's somebody else involved in that breakup who probably doesn't necessarily want that aired publicly. And I think it's just, yeah, it's important, I think, sometimes to to remember that. But I think vulnerability over a lot is is important. So on the topic of social media, then, if you could just talk about because it's like we see it in our lives like it's been we've been very fortunate that it's been you know a cornerstone of how we've that's really enabled us to build a business and it's got wonderful like we talk about it as a double-edged sword like it does so much good and then it also comes at a cost and I'd love to know like now you've got two daughters and you know they are on social media a little bit and we've kind of gone through that and I know my kid's mom she doesn't want her, my kids on social media so that's great that's absolutely it kind of makes sense to me and I just want to know how you manage that relationship. You're navigators where you're getting most of the good and less of the, you know, the, the kind of stuff that drains you. Yeah, I just try and be quite, which is so much easier said than done. Some days I'm good at it, some days I'm not. But I do guess I just try and be conscious, mindful in the way that I use it, which is that I said that it's such a double-edged sword. There's so much great stuff on there. I love seeing what my friends are up to. I love like watching videos of people making sourdough. But then at other times, if you're feeling a bit down or a bit insecure, it's not necessarily the best time. Like I know when I had Sky, when I was feeding in the night, I would open my phone and I'd be like scrolling Instagram. And I think that really messed with my head. And I absolutely categorically promised myself this time. So I didn't sleep with my phone in the room that no time in the night when I woke up to feed May would I um, look at my phone. And that thing, it's just like, I guess it's little practices like that that have really 
help me and I'm just very conscious about when I use my phone so that I don't then or you know on the weekend when the girls nap that is like my two hours you know if they do sleep properly but if they nap they did this weekend I had two hours on Saturday when they were both asleep that is like my only quiet two hours of the week because no one needs me for work and the girls are asleep and I I'm just trying to use that time more productively not necessarily to, to achieve a lot but productively as in like to read a bit of my book or watch a bit of a series that I like and not just sit you know I've, I've done it before you like put them down for a nap and you're sitting on the step outside their room and half an hour later you're just like looking at someone's cat on Instagram and you think like oh I could have really used that half an hour to call my friend or do something that I guess gives you a little bit more so I started really when May was born, so for the last four months, always putting my phone, even if I bring it up with me in the evening and I use it and I sit on it while I'm watching TV or something when the girls are in bed, I will then make a conscious effort to take my phone, take my computer, take my notebook, anything work-related, because I see my phone as such a work-related tool. Um, I take it downstairs and I leave it downstairs on airplane mode and I do not look at it so that first... Because otherwise... You know, first thing in the morning, you wake up and you look at your phone and immediately, I don't know about you guys, but immediately I go into work mode and I'm like, need to do this, need to do that, need to do this. And like, realistically, it doesn't need to happen at 6am. And so I leave my phone downstairs, I go downstairs, I'll make coffee, we'll have coffee in bed, spend some time with the girls and I don't turn on my phone until I then actually come upstairs and start my working day um, at more like kind of 8.30. And that has been such a game changer for changing my relationship with it and it really is yeah it's given me so much it really really has and so important you know to put because it's so easy to get dragged in and social media at least for myself it's a constant adapting relationship because sometimes I'd see stories like that I'm you know with social media putting Instagram stories I feel like there's a third person that's walking around like a shadow with me that I kind of have to entertain and talk with hey you there come on look let me show you this and it constantly you need to put boundaries around it because it it can quickly become very intoxicating and just wanting yeah. to... Yeah, and yeah. you know, you guys are the same. You've you've such a... I mean, obviously, you're building your business so much more than social media. It's not to devalue it. And, and same for us, but social media has been instrumental, I think, for both of us and for so many other people in building a business. And it's so cool for that. But as you said, you feel this kind of constant pressure to share because you know that by getting that engagement, that allows you to do this and to do that. And that's so important. But as you said, there's it, got to be a moment where you let that third person go away. Yeah, and tell them, go to bed. I've had enough. Yeah, that type of thing. Uh, I, I want to ask a question around, and this is around the brand. So I've noticed in recent, you know, Matt's come along. He's running Deliciously Ella. Matt's now with you in the podcast, and he's amazing. Uh, and I've noticed even your brand on, say, Instagram, the 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 favicon or whatever you want to call it has changed from being a picture of whatever it was to where it's now DE. And it seems like the brand is possibly trying to, you know, diversify in that it's not just exclusively about Ella and Ella's life. And is that a conscious thing? Because I know ourselves, there's a huge challenge in that our brand is related to me and Dave. I walk down the road and it's, hello, Mr. Happy Pearman, you know, and I'm, I'm seen as Mr. Happy Pearman. And, and often it's when we have board meetings that it's seen as one of the greatest risks to our business is that if me and Dave step out of line, suddenly the whole business is, you know, there's, there's a bit of vulnerability there. Has this been a conscious decision to kind of maybe diversify the identity of the brand? Or is this something that's just naturally happened with you marrying Matt and him loving numbers and business? 
I guess it's a combination of the two. I think it is definitely a conscious choice. I think, you know, the the brand is so much bigger than than me. When we started, I I was, I guess, interchangeably deliciously Ella, and Matt always jokes he like calls me delicious. Um and and it was very much the case as in it was me writing a website, publishing recipes, teaching cooking classes, doing supper clubs and things like that. And then the first book, that was, it was a solo thing. And so where Ella was versus Delicious Ella was effectively the same. And the more we've grown, you know, there's 25 people in the office now. Um, so much of the business isn't run by myself, but so much of it's run by Matt and by our team, you know, our finance director, our commercial director, our supply chain director, and so on. It's, it is so much more than me. And I think it's important that we reflect that. And I think we've been really kind of conscious in trying to separate Ella Mills, the human being, and Delicious Ciela, you know, the kind of lifestyle, wellness, plant-based food company. And that that does feel really important. But I think the, the process of the separation has probably been kind of semi-natural because I think a lot of it happened by getting pregnant back to back. And so ending up, you know, over the last kind of two years, I have been less involved in the business than I was in the eight years before that because I took a bit of time out and even though with Sky only kind of officially took four weeks off you're not working at you know 5,000% capacity which I was before and so I think I also realized that at this point I need to take a step not not out by any means but to the side and really focus on what I can do and what I can bring to the table in our business and what other people can bring to the table and I think it being more delicious yellow versus Ella Mills is now more reflective of the reality of of that every day in delicious yellow. I noticed you use the word plant based instead of the word vegan, and I'd love to know your because it's it seems very conscious, and I really admire it. I think it's great, and I just love to know your your decision making, your process around that. Yes, yeah, an interesting one, isn't it? I think for me, the most important thing is that what we're doing is available to as many people as possible. You know. I'm, imagine the stats are very similar in Ireland but you know in the UK only one in four adults manages to eat their fibre day five a day we're so you know we're getting like barely more than half of the fibre we need on average like we have a long way to go in terms of changing the way that we eat and so I'm very conscious that what we share feels available however you eat and I'm really passionate about that I don't think that people have to be vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or anything Aryan I think they can just be what they want to be and I hope they can just incorporate our recipes into that in a bid to eat more plant-based foods rather than one or the other and I think plant-based sounds a little bit more for me kind of accessible and I think vegan sounds a little bit more black and white and that's not always as doable for people and I think I know for me changing my diet was was really difficult and I think you you know we've got to give people credit in that like making these big changes isn't easy and so expecting people to kind of change everything overnight and in a totally different way is probably really unrealistic and that's where I think plant-based meets people where they are which is about incorporating more rather than changing everything and also the idea of changing someone's entire lifestyle again overnight which I think vegan more encompasses is probably unrealistic and sometimes I think maybe makes it sounds so difficult that it's not going to happen and I'm very very aware of that but I think also for us you look we started Delicious Yella to focus on health and to focus on well-being and I think 
to me, plant-based symbolizes that more than vegan because vegan can be very much like a lot of meat substitutes and a lot, you know, a lot of what we see now in stores and in vegan sections are very, very overly processed foods filled with emulsifiers and additives and preservatives. And that's something that we're really passionate about not doing at Delicious Yellow and we'll never make anything with an emulsifier, preservative, additive, stabilizer um, and so on. And so I think plant-based whole foods really tap into eating more broccoli, eating more kale, eating more lentils, whereas vegan can definitely mean that, but it can also mean a lot of substitutes, which whilst can be very positive for animal welfare and very positive for the planet, not really necessarily positive for our health. Yeah, totally Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In terms of can you talk about your relationship to alcohol because growing up at least in Ireland and England England alcohol is like a social lubricant it's something that's so pervasive and it's such a a part of modern day society I know back about probably almost 20 years ago we kind of just by chance gave up drinking for a month and it's ended up that month has been probably around 20 years how's your relationship with alcohol and what have been kind of the highs and lows and the challenges of it God, it's such an it's such an interesting topic, alcohol. It's when I changed my diet, people were kind of like, Oh, she's a bit weird because it was not kind of commonplace to eat the way that we do at that point. But when I wasn't drinking and I didn't drink a drop of alcohol for about four years or so while I was ill and while I was getting better because my body just couldn't tolerate it under any circumstance. It made me so ill. And people's reaction was, you know, like I was like a leper. Um you know, it was a bit weird with the kale, but with the no alcohol, it was like totally insane. And I definitely got a real complex, which I think I've really struggled to shake, actually, or kind of being seen as boring um, for for not drinking and, and not particularly enjoying that. And I'll now really enjoy having a glass of red wine on the weekends with, you know, Matt and I sit down for dinner together on a Saturday night when the girls are asleep. I'll really enjoy that. It's delicious. Um and I'll enjoy cocktails sometimes with girlfriends, but I don't really drink. You know, you could probably tally up the number of drinks I have in, in a year and it, you know, would it's going to get into double figures, but not by very much. And I think it's really, I just don't, I don't really enjoy it. And I think it's, it's just that I found it very interesting to see people's reaction to it um, because it's, I find it can be quite, quite extreme. Yeah, we can relate to that a lot. But I guess we're fortunate that there's two of us, so we're... It was easier know, to defend yourself. We can yourself. put our backs together so we can we can see 360 degrees. And we, you know, I don't know, anyway. Uh, okay, question which I love. I love this question, and I think it's so interesting because outwardly looking at Ella Mills, like it's, it, people could go, wow, you've got a massive social following. You've built a business. You've got two daughters. You've got a really handsome husband. Like, you are so successful. You've made it. Like, wow, you're so successful. And now, like, in your own skin, like, what is success to you on a daily basis, on a bigger perspective? what motivates you what inspires you could you talk about that I'd love to know I think it's making a difference on a on a professional level that that's what it is for me I mean changing the way that I eat and the way I live like genuinely completely transform my life and we we really need to change the way that we live I think you know being transparent COVID's really highlighted that you know that it, there's a lot of underlying health conditions that are often lifestyle related that you know have made you know people more at risk and I think it's really highlighted as a society 
how much we do need to focus on our health and our and our well being. And as I said, you know, the fact that only one in four adults manages their five a day, one in five kids, like it's not enough. We know how correlated what we eat is with our health. And obviously it's not the be all and end all as we said, there's so many other parts to health and there's there's other factors that are way beyond our control and there's obviously an element of luck, but there's so much that we can do to feel better. And I feel very passionate about being able to share that with people and about being able to genuinely be a useful resource. I mean, our kind of key why, which is affects every decision we make in the business is, is this useful? And um, we're not going to do things for the sake of it. Like we have to feel it genuinely serves a purpose to people and that it will genuinely be beneficial and helpful to their lives. And that's really, really, really important to us. But I think, and then on a personal level, I guess it's, I used to probably push myself to my limit and beyond in terms of what I was really able to achieve. And I think becoming a mom has been a really positive thing and trying to focus on quality rather than rather than quantity. And I think for me, a successful day is where I feel I've genuinely been able to make a difference to our business and, and to our company and to my colleagues and our mission as a whole of being able to make plant-based living and a kind of healthier lifestyle more available and also had you know, real time with the girls and, you know, being a present mother is really, you know, it's absolutely critical to me. And I think running your own business comes with challenges with parenthood, which I'm sure you've both found, which is that it's all encompassing. You know, you can never actually switch off because ultimately the responsibility ends with you guys. It ends with Matt and myself when it comes to our company. And so we're always on to some extent, you know, you've always got to be ready in case there are things that come in and that need doing. But at the same time, it also gives a level of flexibility, I think, which is really unique. And, you know, yes, I didn't get, you know, to take maternity leave with the girls. But what I did get to do was take Skye to the book shoots and have her work with me. And that's, you know, that's an unbelievable privilege. So I feel like it's been, you know, it's been difficult at times. There's, there's no two ways around it. Going back to work four weeks after Sky was born was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It just was not kind of emotionally or physically ready, but it had to be done. But it has allowed me to kind of const- to keep doing what I love and be with her at the same time. So I think, yeah, it's, it's trying to find a genuine sense of balance personally and professionally to feel like you're actually working towards making a tangible difference to someone. Yeah, it's such a balancing act, like, and having kids and having a personal business, like, it's such a blurred line. My kids grow up around the shop, but they think it's normal. Like, if we, you know, I, I live about, about 30 seconds away from our main shop and cafe. So, like, literally, we don't really keep much food at home. You just walk over to the shop. Like, that's, that's what everyone does, you know, and that's the way my kids grow up, or they grow up in the bakery, and they're, you know, anyway, it's, it's great fun. Uh, okay, so a question. On the day that your mother-in-law, that she was diagnosed with her kind of disease, there was a barbecue that you, you know, you all had a barbecue together, and at the end, your mother-in-law said, what a perfect day. And I remember reading something where you said that was a great lesson in terms of gratitude, that it was just, you know, here she was, she had this life, this massive kind of information, which kind of changed her life dramatically. And the simple thing, like having a barbecue with her family and loved ones was like a perfect day. And I think you said something about that, that really informed your perspective on gratitude. Could you talk about that and gratitude and your experience with that? Totally. I mean, I would like admittedly probably used to be more of a glass um half empty so uh person and um and matt and his family are the opposite they're like glass half full a hundred times over and they're so good at seeing the positive and 
it was a really interesting lesson for me. She had literally just been diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer. And it was about two days later or something. I think that had happened on the Thursday and on the Friday. We'd all gone to stay with them. They lived in Warwickshire. And um, we'd all gone to stay with them. And it was the most beautiful day. Really, really, really gorgeous. And it was Matt, myself, and his sister Jess, and her husband Finn, and their little girl, Otty, who was about three or four months at the time. And it was just such a beautiful day and it was so warm and we sat outside and yeah, we had a barbecue and Otty, we didn't have a paddling pool, but we, so we filled up for her the like washing up bucket and put her in it. It was like 30 degrees and she was loving it. And it was just so, it was a lovely day, but for me, I've just felt empty and drained and kind of just hollow thinking about the reality that was facing them. And they were, you know, the four of them, like his dad, his mum, and him and his sister were the closest family I've ever met in my life. They're extraordinary the bond and I just I, I, I didn't really take any joy from anything really it was kind of felt like you were going through the motions and at the end of the day Tessa said you know wasn't that a perfect day and you felt how much she meant it and I I just found it such a great sh- you know shaking up of of myself and the way that I look at things which is that you know even in the midst of the most difficult you know news you could ever have she was still genuinely finding joy and positivity in what was right in front of her in that given moment and I wasn't I wasn't doing that and if she could do that how on earth could I not do that and it was a real moment of clarity I think for me beautifully said you're I think you're a great believer of food as medicine as are we and are there some foods that you'd recommend any listening that that you're eating at the moment that we should be eating more of or certain foods that you know you're finding particularly nourishing that you could tell people about I think what I'm finding more than ever is that at the moment like well I'm back to working full-time but I'm also breastfeeding full-time and I've got a four-month-old and an 18-month-old in the house which is like as you guys know like the best kind of chaos and you know the day starts with a bang when they wake up and it you know goes out with a bang the second they go to sleep and then at that point there's also like 700 emails that need replying to and there's washing that he's doing and there's dinner that needs cooking and there's tidying that needs to happen and all the rest of it and then also hopefully like 10 seconds of headspace for yourself and I think what I've come to really appreciate and I guess it goes back to like the foundation of everything that we believe in at Delicious and you guys I think do at the Happy Pair is that like health is so simple in so many ways I think we can make it so complicated And there's so many like weird and wacky and cool things to discover. But then like at the base of it is simplicity. And that's just like eating more broccoli, taking five minutes to do some breathing exercises. And I think that's what I've been focusing on over the last few weeks. And I can't tell you the difference it's made. So instead of being like, okay, only have, so today is like back to back to back. And then like times to feed May throughout as well. So I had five minutes before this to eat something. And it would be so easy just to like grab some toast and put some peanut butter on it. And that's great. And it's not to devalue that. But I definitely get more like the more nutrient dense any meal is and the more nutrient dense meals I can have. So instead, what did I do? Just put yogurt into a bowl with some frozen berries and then added dried apricots, dried mulberries, some of our granola, which is like a it's a mix of buckwheat, puffed rice, um, raisins, like loads of different things almond butter cashew butter stirred it all up so good I'm so full delicious but I've had like 10 different plant-based foods in there loads of different you know vitamins and minerals and macronutrients and micronutrients and it's 
it took five minutes. Like it really didn't even take more than that. There's no washing up involved. It all still went into a bowl. And so I think that's, for me, what I'm really noticing makes the biggest difference. Or, you know, if I have five minutes to make lunch, some frozen garlic, obsessed with frozen garlic at the moment. Makes frozen lunch. garlic, is it cooked or raw? It's I've raw, but frozen. then it means you don't, like, it's just time-saving thing. You can just buy packs of it and then you just chuck, you know, sprinkle a bit in a pan with olive oil and salt and you're, like, ready to go rather than, you know, peeling it, crushing it. When you've got, so, I don't know, on time-saving, it's magic. It's probably all in my head. But just doing that and, like, a tin of butter beans, wilting through some spinach and adding some pesto, it's, it, you know, it's so, so, so quick and it's so uncomplicated. But it, I'm just finding it makes the world of difference to me. So I guess it's less, like specific fruit and veg and more realizing that like even in five minutes you can have a simple but still you know delicious meal that actually will give you so much more for the day than thinking you don't have time yeah great reminder and final final question if you were to can it be a final one each okay final one each yeah final one each they can be quick ones okay they can be quick ones so if you were to invite i was gonna ask that one too that's cool if you were to invite any three people in history they can't be matt they can't be the two girls like any three people in history that you'd love to sit and have a meal with and it's a meal up in the clouds it's playing whatever music and they can be dead or alive they can be whatever you know people that inspire you who would you pick? Do you know what? I find this like one of the hardest questions in the world. Um, I, or every time someone asks it, I like freeze up because I think I'd be so torn. You know, part of me would just like love to invite the Spice Girls. and <laughs> I can relate no! to that. <laughs> As like, you know, my kind of childhood idols. And then another part of me would like love to meet, you know, someone like Oprah, who's, you know, really leading the way in this whole movement. Um, and then another part of me, like I'm my like weird secret, not secret, but like my weird passion. Like, I love history. Like I love it, love it, love it. I'm listening to a Tudor dynasty podcast at the moment whenever I'm out and about with the girls obsessed. And like, I'd also quite like to invite Henry VIII. And, uh, Henry VIII! Really, really get into his mindset with his six wives and understand wow. what was going on there. Get some of the wives involved as well, understand about that. So I'm like... Yeah, I'm so, so torn. Um, I feel like it could go in kind of any direction. Be like really highbrow or like not not so much. Great answer. Uh, thank you, Ella. You're amazing. Thank you for your time. I appreciate how busy you are. So really appreciate it. And well done with all your products. Like I see them here in Super Value. And I see them like I went over there to get oats there the other day. Uh, and I see our products there. And there's Ella right in the middle. It's like, oh, well done, Ella. Oh, thank you. I know. Well, I can't wait to get over back to Ireland again. I mean... One day. One, One day. day. Yeah, One yeah. Day. When the girls are older. Well, well done, Ellie. You're brilliant. Thank you Thanks so much. 10 million for this. So I hope you enjoyed that and got as much out of that as we did. Ella really inspired me in many ways and reminded me of our own journey that there's so much similarity. Uh, you'll find Ella on all things social media uh, she's got a, a huge audience as we mentioned there uh, thanks once again for listening for lasting this far uh, please say, stay tuned for next week uh, we're interviewing the wonderful Dr. Rangan Chatterjee and that that was a podcast that I enjoyed so much Rangan is a medically trained doctor who originally started out being very kind of logical rational but also applying it to lifestyle medicine and over his journey he's really opened up and started talking more from the heart and this was a really connected conversation that both of us enjoyed so much let us know what you thought on social of this episode with Ella which one's your favourite so far 
And thanks again for your attention and, you know, really hope you're getting lots out of it. And finally, big shout out to Super Value once again, who this podcast is in partnership with. Cheers. Enjoy the week and we'll see you next week.